Father, we love you and thank you for all of your blessings. Thank you for your kind mercy toward us, um, especially not giving us what we deserve. Um, seems daily to be something um, that I'm reminded of to be thankful for, and um, multiple times daily, actually. So thank you for that and just for the people that you bring together here and uh, for the way you're assembling your church and we just pray your blessings on our study continue to grow our thoughts about you and um, help us to love each other and learn more about what that means and uh, we do pray for uh, Melissa's parents and just everything that's going on with them I pray you would just give them special grace to um, get through this and uh, just encourage the dad I know uh, it's difficult so I just pray you would bless Bless both of them, and um, my dad as well, and our decisions that we have to make. Um, I just pray you'd help us to um, just be encouraged to know that what what we um, the direction we go in will be the right thing to do. And uh, continue to bless all those around us who do not know Christ, and continue to keep us um, on a straight path, and uh, continue preaching the gospel. And keep that center with Christ in the center in his name we pray amen all right chapter 13 we just finished up adoption and that's such a wonderful beautiful thing a concept and a thought about being brought into God's family and, and the reason I mentioned the first line in our confession right here kind of goes hand in hand with that a little idea of adoption but it's really something different but very important so let's just read this first uh thing here and see how far we get those who are united to christ and effectually called and regenerated have a new heart and a new spirit created in them through the power of christ's death and resurrection now the reason i what i'm trying to point out here is this first uh, this is the first time that actually the concept of being united to Christ is mentioned in the whole confession. It may be, I don't know if it's mentioned again, but the the fact that we are united in Christ is a big, huge deal um, in, the, in the Reformed theology. It's huge. Because um, it it's how we come to be adopted. It's how we come to be justified. It's how we come to be sanctified. All those things... And I don't really, I haven't really studied the idea, the the, the doctrine of the uni, being unified in Christ a lot. But what I I come across this right here that I thought would help, maybe make some sense of it, and we may come back to it and talk about it more later. But I'm just gonna, I don't like reading word for word, but I'm gonna read this because it's I found it on the Ligonier website. Union with Christ is one of the central doctrines of the Christian faith. The vital union that believers have with Jesus makes them recipients of all the spiritual blessings that are found in him as the mediator and redeemer of the elect. There are eternal and temporal aspects to the union that are distinguished in the scriptures. Now that's what we're going to look at today because there are eternal and um, temporal, or temporal, some people say that word differently, temporal meaning while we're living here, right? So, um, then it goes on to say, the New Testament epistles allude to the union with Christ in some manner of speaking more than 200 times. The Holy Spirit unites believers to Christ by working faith in them. So our unification with Christ comes by the faith that God is working in us and working out in us. 
Union with Christ is the source of a believer's communion with God and other believers, since all believers are united to one another by virtue of their union with Christ. Believers remain united with Christ through, uh, to Christ throughout their entirety, the entirety of their lives, and for all eternity. So, um, uh, what do I want to get to? By union with Christ, God confers on the elect all the saving benefits Christ merited by his life, death, and resurrection. So union with Christ occurs in the application of redemption. And remember, we're in the section of the, of the confession that that's where we're at, the, the um, application of redemption. We talked about God. We talked about um, atonement and the work of Christ. And now we're talking about how God works that out in our lives because eventually that's what we want to get to. You know, We want to understand, just like we do in most preaching, all right, that's a great doctrine. I see Christ and I see what this about. Now what does it have to do with me? How does it apply to me? And so here we are. This idea of union with Christ uh, is in the application of redemption. And it, it says here, um, of course, this key thought for Paul, um, any of you that care about theological stuff and church history stuff, the new, the new ideas on Paul or something like that, if you ever heard of that. If you don't, you might not care, but um, it, it's a... This is a big point of contention, this idea of being in Christ or united to Christ in that um, what many see as a heretical um, belief system, the, the new perspective on Paul. That's what it's called, new perspective of Paul. But um, I'm, I'm not going to go into that right now. But basically, um, as I mentioned, being in Christ in some way or another appears over 200 times in the New Testament. So this is pretty important. Um Paul, for example, in Galatians 2, you probably heard this, he explained that he had been crucified with Christ, and it's no longer he who lives, but Christ who lives in me. In the life I now live, I live in, in I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Um, that idea of being united with Christ um, is all throughout Paul's writings. Um, but here's, here's what I want you to catch. There's a threefold union with Christ. It's eternal, or decretal, which means, um, obviously, it's our union with Christ has been since the before the foundation of the world. So it's eternal in one, in one sense. In another sense, it is redemptive historical, and I'll explain that in a minute. And in another sense, it's existential. So the eternal aspect of our union with Christ, Paul talks about in Ephesians 1-4, we talk about this all the time, the covenant of redemption, this thing that, happened within the Godhead before the foundation of the world. So in Ephesians 1, 4, Paul says, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ chose us in him before the foundation of the world. So that the idea that we have been in Christ, united to him some way, even before the foundation of the world, right? In some way. Now we talked about last couple of times together, there is a point at time, it's not correct to say I've always been saved. I've been saved since before eternity began. But it is correct to say I was chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world. Now, we know as good Calvinists, there was no chance ever that we weren't going to be saved because we were chosen him before the foundation of the world, okay? But it's not correct to, to say I've never been lost because the Bible views us as a point of time being lost and having to be redeemed. So there's this eternal decretal idea of union with Christ. And that's what we're talking about here, being in Christ, union with him. 
there's a redemptive historical aspect of it. Um, uh, let's see, Romans 5 um, is a good place, uh, Romans 6, I mean, is a good place to see that. Everything that Jesus did in his earthly ministry, he did as a representative of those chosen in him before the foundation of the world, right? So he re represented us. So we were in Christ before the foundation of the world, and we were in Christ, in a sense, in everything that he did because he represented us. We believe in that. We, we believe in that substitutionary atonement. He was in our place doing what we couldn't do. And we were in him. That's why we can say my sins were paid for on the cross in Christ, right? Because even though I wasn't saved at that time, I wasn't even here, in a sense, I was, un I, I was united with him in, his, in, in what he did and how he died. So this means that when Jesus died, the old nature of the elect was crucified with him. So you go back to that, that verse I read earlier from Paul. I was cru I'm crucified with Christ. No longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So union with Christ makes the imputation or the, the, the counting of sin in, to Christ and the counting of righteousness to us possible. All right? Since we were united with him in his death, as Paul was saying in another place, we'll surely be united with him in his resurrection. All right? So in this way, Christ truly atoned for the sins of God's people as their sins were placed on him, right? Isaiah says that so beautifully. He laid upon him the iniquity of us all. In turn, the righteousness of Christ now clothes the believers because he perfectly represented those in whom he was united to eternally. That kind of makes sense. I mean, this is not rocket science or revolutionary, but we need to think through this because it's going to get us to sanctification. Because now, the eternal aspect of unification, the redemptive historical aspect of it, brings us to this part, the temporal part, the temporal aspect. The Holy Spirit unites believers to Christ, and the Holy Spirit by whom Christ offered himself without spot to God regenerates the elect when he unites them to Christ. So now there's this real uh, end-time thing that we would call uh, salvation, right? All these things we've been talking about, this, this order of salvation, this thing really happens to us where uh, the Holy Spirit regenerates us and awakens us to our need for Christ and builds faith in us, gives us, you know, puts faith in us, however that's the right way to put that. And by this vital spiritual union, God brings the elect from spiritual death to spiritual life, right? That's Romans 5 again. This is the existential or temporal aspect of the union with Christ. So before this act, believers remain outside of Christ and are dead in their sins and trespasses. Even though we are eternally united to him and historically united to him, at this point, when we're saved, we become, uh, that word existential, you know, we become temporarily now in Christ rather than outside of him, right? Would another way of saying that be like experientially? It's like now we start experiencing that relationship whereas before, you know. Right. Well, and more, I think it would be more proper to say it's applied to us mm -hmm. because in eternity past it wasn't applied to us. In historical redemptive setting it wasn't. 
now the Holy Spirit applies it to us. Because mm-hmm. I'm, I mean, that's kind of why I don't use, I don't like using existential. I'm, I'm just a little leery of experience, experience, or even though we do experience the Christian yeah. life. And, and I guess that's what I mean is there, there's a, a conscious awareness right. that we've been changed. It's like something has changed. Absolutely. And so now when we're living life, it, 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 it has affected us. Whereas before, there was no effect. And of course, now right. we're looking back, and it's like, yeah, you know, as far as God was concerned, I was called out before the world was. That's right. And I was in Christ when, when he lived and died and rose again. But now it has become real for me. That's right. And, and it's at that moment. Yes, because it's been applied to you now. The Holy Spirit is awakening you from death to life. But yeah, we, we can look back, and I think, again, this is the beauty of it, of this, this uh, doctrine that we, the doctrines that we hold to. We, we have to be, we had to be in Christ in eternity past and at the cross in order for it to be applied to us now. That's why you can't really say, well, Jesus just died willy-nilly for whoever. And now if you'll come to him and you'll do this, well, how can I go back and put myself in his historical redemptive place? I can't. Right? So I had to be there in order to be here. And that's why I think I, I just love thinking these things through. And now, again, I don't know if this would be, you know, I don't know how many arguments you're going to win with somebody who don't believe the doctrines of grace by taking them here. But to us, I just think it's beautiful to see, well, yes, there's a point where he awakened me, brought me from death to life, because he died for me at the cross. I was in Christ on the cross. So Paul could say, like, like I mentioned already, um, since I was united to him in his death, then I shall certainly be united with him in his resurrection. And so that part of it we haven't seen yet. And see, again, I've never thought that through when Paul said, I've read that a hundred times, oh, I've been united to him in death. And, and I was. But just like he rose from the dead back then too, one day I'm going to be united in that. And this is good as done because that was set in a decree before the foundation of the world too. That all this is going to be applied to me. So, anyways, let me get back to where we were. So if you go back and see that now, those who are united to Christ and effectually called and regenerated, which all will be. I don't really know why they put the word and. The, the, the original King's English in, in, this, in our confession just goes straightly. Those who are united to Christ, effectually called. Like I don't, I don't know that end bothers me for some reason, but as if you could be united to Christ and not. I think what they mean is those united to Christ, once they are effectually regenerated, have a new heart and a new spirit created in them through the power of Christ's death and resurrection. Right. So this is going to happen, and and I love it keeps going. But um. Let me finish reading this, and we'll look at some of these verses. But I got one that's not on here. I want us to look at too. They are also further sanctified, really and personally. So I think you know. I love that these uh, authors make sure to point this out. Hey, we're going to talk about sanctification because just like you were preordained before the foundation of the world to be saved, you're also preordained to be sanctified, set apart for good works in Christ Jesus. And so at some point after you've been resurrected from the dead, spiritually speaking, then you are further sanctified really and personally. And I think it's kind of like alluding back to what you're saying. Now, 
suddenly this is going to be something in my life that I'm going to be able to look at and see and uh, find, hopefully see fruit. And it's done so, uh, that really impersonal, real and personal sanctification is through the same power by his word and spirit dwelling in them. And that same power means the same power that was in Christ before the world began, that regenerated you, that gave you a new heart, that power that rose Christ from the dead, all that, right? And it goes on to say, and the dominion of the whole body of sin is destroyed. So no longer are you a slave to sin. The Bible never says no longer do you sin, but you're no longer a slave to it. And sometimes this is a, I don't know about you, but sometimes, and we'll read that verse, I don't remember which one, uh, Three. Romans six fourteen down there it says, "For sin will will have no dominion over you, since you are no, since you are not under law but under grace." And sometimes I find myself convicted by that. Doggone it! I mean, I'm, the Bible says I am not a slave to this anymore. Why do I keep living? Kind of like what Paul said to the Galatians. Why do you keep going back and living as if you want to be back under bondage when you've been set free? And and I don't think that's um, I think that's the conviction of the Holy Spirit, but at the same time, some of it is uh, wrong teaching that I've had for a long time. But what it, it should do is put, keep pushing me back to Christ. Here I am again, because I know what the Bible says. I'm not under, I'm not under dominion of this anymore. It's no longer my slave master. So, Lord, I mean, please, you know, keep separating me from it, right? Keep getting me, pushing me away from this because my flesh wants to be in bondage, but the spirit doesn't. And so, um, and that's what they point out. The dominion of the whole body of sin is destroyed. The various evil desires that arise from it are also destroyed. At least they're more and more weakened and eventually put to death. At the same time, those called and regenerated are more and more enlivened and strengthened in all saving graces so that they practice true holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Now, um, part of that, and it, I think it gets to it in a minute with us together, that back to that first, um, now where was it in here? Oh, it was something I was reading earlier about um, us being together, that, that, that we're, we're in Christ together, and so we're, we're united to each other as well as united to Christ. And part of that um, being more enlivened and strengthened in all saving graces is, is part of what we talked about a few Sundays back about um, the ordinary means of grace, you know, the worshiping together, um, the taking the Lord's Supper together, those things. Those are the way that God, those are part of the ways that God continues to sanctify us and set us apart. Um, and, and the thing is, the Bible's been telling us about this all the way through. This is not just a New Testament concept. And what I wanted to take you to is Ezekiel 36, um, where he's prophesying the new covenant. It's coming. And this is 36. I I guess I'll start. um, Start in verse 24. It says, For I will take you from among the heathen and gather you out of all countries and will bring you into your own land. Then I will sprinkle clean water upon you and you shall be clean from all your filthiness and from all your idols will I cleanse you. A new heart also I will give you and a new spirit and I will put within you, I'll put, it, put that with, 
in you, the new heart and the new spirit. And I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh, and I will give you a heart of flesh. Just this idea in salvation, this is what God does. He, he takes out that. Again, he destroys that um, which is not moldable and pliable. And he puts, uh, he gives us new life and new thoughts and things that are pliable to his word and to his law. And he says, and I will put my spirit within you, and watch this, and cause you to walk in my statutes, and you shall keep my judgments and do them. That's sanctification. Yes. Cause you to walk in my statutes. Absolutely. That's it. And this is where um, I think this is pointing us to in our, and we'll get to it more in this idea of sanctification, but um, he, it says here he puts a new heart in us, new spirit, and through that power of Christ's death and resurrection, he further sanctifies us personally, really, through that same power and the spirit dwelling in us. So that the dominion of the whole body of sin is destroyed and these evil desires are more and more weakened. Why? Because we're real good at being Christians? No. Because we do our quiet times all the time? No. Because the spirit within us is doing this. Like he said he would do in Ezekiel. I will cause you. It's almost like, in a way, and, and, and people that people that don't believe the doctrines we do hate for us to talk this way. It doesn't make us a robot. But it's like Romans 6 says, we have been uh, set free from sin and unrighteousness and made slaves to righteousness. Well, our slave master now is, is, a, is not a slave master. He's a gracious, kind master. But he causes us to do the things that we do and i think that's the way to look at this how how am i more and more destroyed inside uh, how do i put to death like the bible tells me to do put to death uh the sin and and uh, um what's the word i can't think of what the word is that the bible says ba basically lust in the flesh and those things you're supposed to put those to death put on christ these are things i can't really do i mean i can't physically do that have you ever, if you've ever heard anybody try to explain that but you're not. You can't do it. But it doesn't really. Yeah. It doesn't change until he changes it. Also, like he says, I will clean you. Yes. I will give you a new heart. Yes. And a new spirit. I will put it in you. And mm. I will remove that heart stone. And so it is. It is all him. No, Absolutely. I, I know personally. With, you. with me, it. The sin that I continue to do caused me to look at I can't overcome it. Right. The only thing I have there is the forgiveness of Christ. Mm -hmm. that I, that's all I have. And so it kind of, like you said, it pushes you back to Christ. Mm -hmm. I think the a lot of the problem comes when we try to turn that corner and just do better. Right. Without going back to Christ and realizing that it's He's guiding us. Yeah. He's allowed us to walk down this path so it'll push us back to Him. Yeah. Mm -hmm. you remember we, keep, we keep trying our flesh and failing and, and I'm I know people, they, they like to talk about doing things, but I think that gets us in trouble when we start down that path of trying to think that out. Well, 
I know I bring this up a lot, but most of what we've been taught in, in our Christian faith is a bunch of lists of how to do things. Yeah. You know, how to do this and do that. You know, if you want to be a godly husband, do these things. You want to you want to be a godly mother, do these things. And we got all these lists, but I love that having come across this understanding, anytime the Bible says do, that's law, and we can't do it. But anything, anytime the Bible speaks of what's been done, that's gospel, and that's who we are. And so even right here, and going back to... Um, what I was talking about on Sunday, this transform, you know, having our minds changed and transformed, God does that, so it retrains us to where, so now, uh, because of my u- unity with Christ, my union with Christ, see, that's, I, I think this is what would help us, not, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start doing better, yeah. it's, okay, because I've been unified to Christ since before the foundation world, in the cross, at his resurrection, and at some point in my life, he brought me from death to life. That's the only hope I have in overcoming sin. That's the only hope I have to this uh, sin and desire in my flesh to become more and more weakened in the spirit and regeneration becoming more and more enlivened in me. That's the only hope I have. And so I think that's, yeah, that's right. The more we sin and and. And you know the same part, the same idea that Paul was preaching, and people say, "Well, what do we do? Just continue in sin?" No, God forbid. But here's the truth: you are a sinner, and you're going to be that. But that's not who you are anymore. So quit being that way, right? Stop living like that. But you say, <laughs> you say, "Well, I'm trying." Okay, well, you can't. But Christ did. So, and at some point, um, I think that's. I, sanctification is a hard thing to grasp, but when I see it the way they put it here, it makes so much more sense. Because it's not just okay, man. I gotta if I miss one, if I don't do my quiet times, or if I don't read this much, or I don't pray this many times. I mean, we almost become like every other religious group that's we're pointing toward Mecca and whatever. Yeah, and don't get me wrong. Do you, should you read the Bible? Yes. Do you need to pray? Absolutely. I mean, these things are important. Um, studying Scripture is vitally important as a believer. But if you think by doing that, you're you're setting yourself apart, you're missing the whole point. Because by doing that, the, the Spirit that's within us, the Christ that, you know, is fulfilling all the Father's commands in Fulfilling that Old Testament prophecy, he is causing us to be washed. He is washing us. He is making us walk in his path. And I think you're right. Every time, and this is just who we are as humans. Even when God's doing that stuff through us and in us, and we absolutely know it has nothing to do with us, we still, you know, we still want to be like, you know, look at everybody else and, you know, they can't hold a candle to me because... And, and we have to be careful because sometimes even when we get blessed, and I think this is the danger, uh, so messed up about the um, things like the word faith movement, that kind of thing. I mean, you if God does bless you, be thankful, but you can't be running around thinking that you did something to get that. And now everybody else can, if everybody else would be like you, they could get it too. Because it's just not true. But anyways, that first paragraph is full of stuff. Um, let's see which 
much time we got. Not much. I always find it interesting that people say this this is robotic when to me the other way seems robotic. Yeah. Do, 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 the list, list, list. I've done this, I've done this, I've done this, I've done this. I've done all the things. That to me is more robotic. Yes. And, and you know what's worse? Okay, if I'm a robot, at least call me a robot who's been programmed by the Word of God to do what He said He's going to do. If the robot you're talking about, you've been programmed by a man. So you're following out. I'd rather call me a robot, but I'm, you know, because. I'd rather be that kind of robot than yes. do, 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 do. Yeah, because it's, a, it's such a debilitating thing because when you see this and go, okay, you know, this doesn't say, this doesn't put a time frame. It, it just really says um, these things, these evil desires will be weakened more and more and put to death. And I think that's a good thing to hope for and trust in. And I think it's okay to, if you look around, like I was saying earlier, and say, well, this doesn't seem weakened in my life. You know, Lord, I'm, I'm and I don't think it's wrong to pray for those. God, please, this sin is, why is this sin so easily besetting me? Uh, it's hindering me running the race. And all these things that the Bible pictures for us. So I don't think it's wrong to stop and say, okay, this is the truth. I mean, this is what the Bible says, that these things are supposed to be becoming weaker and weaker and put to death. And I don't see that in some places. I don't think that's sinful. You're not you're not questioning God's... I don't think, because oh, if you ever yeah. get to the point where you feel like you're not sinning, yeah. you're not... You're messed up. up. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. You're way off. Right, right. Yeah. So if you ever feel... But if, if God granted us that, our flesh would puff up. Right. We, we will never get to that point because it, it, there's, that drives us back to Christ. Yes. Well, I think there's there's so much humility in that. Absolutely. Just like with Paul, whatever Paul's thorn in the flesh was. I mean, here's this great preacher of the gospel. What I want to do, I don't do. Yeah, and, that, and that's part, you know, that in, in, the little, in the next section, I know they have that Romans 7, uh, yeah, in the, in the section 2. But, you know, I'm thinking, well, if Paul had a thorn in his flesh, um, he needed to be kept humble as well. And for all of us, and again, I don't think it's, you shouldn't just be like, oh, well, this I've decided that this sin is my thorn, so I'm just not going to worry about it. No, I'm not going to. always drive you to Christ. Yeah. Always. It has to. And if you can if you can continue to willingly sin and it, there's no concern about it, that's, that's a, that is a concern. But I just, as God's people, that doesn't happen. Because he is going to make you walk in his statutes. Because and see, because you're his kid. Yeah, but people no, look at that and think he's driving a whip. Yeah. Those he loves, right? Mm-hmm. Not be to be mean, but that's what the Holy Spirit's part is to to convict us of sin. And so mm-hmm. we're we're sinning, and we're not convicted of sin. Mm-hmm. Then. There's a problem here. Yeah. There's a disconnect of being united with Christ, right? Well, and this is why we can't just tell people, all right, say this prayer. All right, we're going to baptize you. You're good. Because now, if people confess Christ, we need to baptize them. That's not what I'm saying. But what we've done is we've left out this. If God is taking out your heart, and I know this is metaphorical, but it is a spiritual reality. He is giving... He took out that heart of stone. Part of him 
part of the reason he could say, I will make you walk in my statutes, is because he took out your heart of stone and put in a heart of flesh. And now you're no longer who you were. So when it says he makes you, he makes you in the sense that he made you new and now you're different. So the things you wanted to do are changing and the things you didn't want to do are changing and he's making you new. And so I think uh, that's the way I think when when I have that conversation and people say, well, it sounds like you think God's just this, you know, just this slave master driving you to do stuff. No, he's making me do it because he's made me different and new. And now the spirit within me drives me rather than my flesh. Now, again, the Bible is clear. There's this epic battle that will never end till we are with Christ. That, that's one thing that really helps me. And I think, you know, our minds are renewed. You're talking about the heart being driven or changed. Our minds are renewed. The flesh is not renewed till resurrection. We're called to beat it into submission, basically. Yeah. And, and we're not going to quit sinning in the flesh. It won't happen. Right. But our minds should drive back to Christ. Our, our desire should be to that of Christ. But the flesh is never renewed. And I think that's what she's talking about. People are trying to renew their flesh now and make that be their yeah. Christianity. And that's, that's, that's a lie. Mm-hmm. It's a complete lie. It's bondage. It's bondage. It's not true. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and it's hard to, you know, when people ask you about your Christian faith, or anybody, that's mainly the things people jump to. Well, I used to do this, but I don't do that. And that's true, but this is the reality. Well, what happens, I mean, I'm unified, you know, I'm connected to Christ. I mean, I've been connected to him for all eternity in a sense. But now again, some people would look at you like a a calf looking at a new gate if you said that. You know, like, what on earth are you talking about? But we know this to be the fact. Well, the reason I'm saved is because I read this and I recognize that Christ died for me. I mean, he died in my place. And, you know, I can't, there's some places in my life I could probably show you, hey, I used to do this and I don't do that anymore. Um, but the truth is, if you want to get down to it, a lot of things I used to do that I don't do anymore, I'll go back to them if I could. You know what I mean? So well, I don't. You I, do, do you do now, though? Yeah, because I, you know, I don't want to brag about that too much. Well, I used to, you know, do this, and but man, Lord save me, I don't do it anymore. But you know, the truth is, how many people we've seen do that, and they go right back to it. Well, they pick up a new sin and walk on. Yeah, yeah, and so I think we just have to be careful defining our faith and our sanctification in terms of what we do, as opposed to this, in terms of who Christ is and what He's done. That's. Just like our justification and salvation, our sanctification too is all about Him and the fact that He chose to unite us to Him. And that's why the idea of unity, you being united to Christ, was such a huge uh, deal in Reformed theology. Because, um, and even since then, people, uh, since the Reformation, people have tried to abuse that and change it into something else. That idea I mentioned of the new perspectives on Paul. That's kind of what the, I, I don't really even understand that thing. It's so complicated to me, but it's a messed up way of, they've basically taken that and said, well, then best I can understand it. Well, if you've been unified to Christ and you are, so be it. You know, you're, you're unified to Christ, have been for all eternity. So kind of like, uh, it's kind of like, uh, no, it's just kind of like saying, hey, this is who you are now live it. And you don't really preach the gospel. So, you know, it's not the gospel that 
they skip over all the um, that that order of salvation part, that justification, and um, and they kind of believe you'll work out that justification with your sanctification. It's kind of like a it's kind of like that belief of final justification that has to be worked out. Do you have you read much about perspectives on Paul? Any perspectives? Some, but it's, yeah, it kind of goes back to like a Catholic Eastern Orthodox view yeah. of justification, where mm-hmm. it's my works and my faith, and my my faith is shown through my works, and that plays a part. Like I believe and I work, and that equals faith. Yes. And because that equals faith, then I am justified. But really, it's like you're mixing the two. Yeah, it's kind of a synergistic thing yeah, still. Yeah. Um, what's the name? Well, N.T. Wright is the more contemporary, but he kind of stole it from, he kind of reawakened some older, um, do you do you ever look at um, Ligonier Ministries? You know, come out, go on their website and you can just put in type, type in the search engine uh, N.T. Wright or New Perspectives on Paul. And uh, you know, it there. I like them because they really simplify that complicated stuff pretty good, and um, they've written a lot about it. So uh, I wouldn't have brought it up except for it has, especially in in uh, modern. I mean, in the twenty twenty first century, it's been a it's been an issue. So, but um, it's amazing how people will take truth and just barely turn it a little bit, and then. And then people will take off and follow it, you know, because mm-hmm. it sounds good. Yeah. You know? yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. We're talking about Jesus. All right. Any other questions about that? We'll, we'll look at those last two sections and.